Welcome, everybody, to the Bowdoin Sports Podcast, brought to you by the Polar Bear Athletic Fund. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. We have a very exciting podcast here today, as we will be talking about the new renovations of Whittier Field. So we're joined by Don Borkowski, Director of Capital Projects. He'll talk about the stadium developments and uh, the physical parts, the renovations, what you can expect upon entering the stadium. And then I'm joined by Athletic Director Tim Ryan, who talks about the campus himself, his career, and also what the new stadium at Whittier Field uh, does to help out the athletic department as a whole and create new space for other teams. So it's a very exciting podcast. Stick with us, and thanks so much for listening. Terry, happy to have you on board with another exciting podcast. And we are really, really in for a treat as we're joined by Don Borkowski, the Director of Capital Products at Bowdoin College, as he joins us. Is he talking about the new renovations done at Historic Whittier Field uh, for first weekend? They'll open this Saturday, 1 o'clock against Middlebury. First of all, Don, thanks so much for taking the time to join us here on the podcast. Oh, no problem at all, Mike. Well, first of all, great, Don. I'd like just to learn about you, first of all, your history. Uh, just take us back. How did you get involved, and where were you before Bowdoin College? Well, I, um, I got involved because I'm the director of capital projects at Bowdoin College, and it's always fun to do athletics projects. The last one, the last major one we did was Watson Arena, and it's still one of my favorites. I always say that if I had the chance, I'd do athletics projects for the rest of my career, but I don't think it's going to happen that way. And wh- why do you like athletic uh, projects be- uh, for, uh, for uh, good? Yeah, they're just because they're, they're fun to do. They're, I mean, it's great working with the AD department and the coaches, and it's uh, usually the consultants and contractors that are involved to do this kind of stuff. Everybody's everybody's on the same page and knows what needs to be done. That's excellent. So take us back. Before you were at Bowdoin, where were you in New York, and uh, how did you come up to Maine? Well, I worked for the Facilities Development Corporation, which was a design and construction management company. I worked out of their Albany office. Um, we made the move to Maine 22 years ago uh, just for a you know, better way of life and a great place to raise kids. My wife had family up here. That's what kind of drew us up here. And I was lucky enough to land a position at Bowdoin and had no idea I'd be involved for 21 years, but uh, it hasn't, hasn't let up yet. That's great. That's great. Uh, all right. So let's take us now uh, to personal. Give us the process for Whittier Field. Uh, can you go through the history of the stadium and uh, how we come to this point for the renovations? Well, um, I mean, to go way back, I mean, it was originally the field was built in 1897, I believe, and Hubbard Grandstand was built in 1903. Um, and it's been used as a football venue ever since. The track was added, and I don't, I'm not sure the exact date of the track. I know. They, put, uh, they added bleachers to the existing Hubbard Grandstand in the 1940s, and then there were supplemental additions after that. Uh, but basically what had happened was that you know, the, the track had, uh, that was installed in the 70s had kind of outlived its, uh, its useful life, uh, not so much the track surface itself, which was actually updated in 2005, but the substrate below that was, was starting to fail. So everything that supported the track was, was uh, causing the problems, and there was divots, there was cracks. It was time for that track to need, you know, to be replaced. Uh, we were also playing on a grass, natural grass field. Uh, our field sits on top of the aquifer protection zone here in the town of Brunswick, and because of that, we could not use a lot of uh, treatments on that on that field in order to keep the uh, the grass surface up to up to snuff and NCAA guidelines. So the decision was made to go with a with a synthetic turf called field turf. 
um, which is what we've gone with, and then we've gone with a new with a new track as well. That's very excellent. Yeah, you see the trend across colleges throughout America. Even people who can't, they still go with the field turf. It seems like it's a much better option uh, to deal with weather. Yeah, it's a lot less maintenance. You see, you see a lot of it going in out, out west because they're you know they're short of water there. They uh, so they don't have to water it, uh, which is a, is a big driver out there on that. We also added lights. Uh, to the facility, we one of the first things we did was remove those bleachers from around Hubbard Grandstand uh, to bring that structure back to its original grandeur. Um, we built uh, built new bleachers, added a press box on top of them. We cre- I created a javelin runway down at the uh, men's soccer field. Uh, there's been a been a lot of work involved. And I, you know, this stadium I was I was researching has quite a history. Back in 1972, track and field training for the 1972 Munich Olympics was held there. Bruce Jenner trained there. So a lot of history at this location. Yeah, yeah, it's an historic structure. We just, in June, the entire complex, which includes the grandstand, the field, and the 1903 gate, which is on the west side of the site, that's the pedestrian access to the site, were named to the, uh, were now included in the National Register of Historic Places. Wow. So, how does that affect any renovations? Did that affect you at all through the process? Well, we're um, we're actually working towards that right now. We already started. We worked with a historic preservation consultant to help us get that listing. They also did a uh, a study of the existing paint that's on the on the structure, and we found the original paint colors. And we've already made the effort to start going back to those original paint colors on the columns, on the wood wood parts of it, as far as windows and doors. Uh, we are adding some uh, some handrails and guardrails just for safety reasons. There, they didn't have them there before, um, so that that's already that's already ongoing. We're hoping that once people see the facility out there, um, and the fact that it is listed on the national register, that that might open up some avenues for uh, grant funding to help us get the rest of the money to restore that structure. And, you know, I also heard, too, you looked at every possible detail when renovating the stadium, including the coat of paint. Just tell us about that as well. That story. Yeah, we're uh, what they do is this this consultants. Uh, it's actually they're they're up here in Maine. They're the only ones north of Boston that do this kind of work. They actually they actually take samples of all the paint layers that are on on the structure, whether it be on the on the on the iron columns or whether it be windows, doors, you know, anywhere on the structure, and they they treat it with a with, with some type of oil, which actually brings out the color even more, and then they they basically look at that sample through a microscope and you can see every paint layer just like they were you know they were like you know, rolls of carpet you can see each one of them you know through time as they went on and, and it's kind of funny you see why some paint doesn't adhere for very long it actually peels off because you can see there was no bond there between the two different you know between the colors but originally it started off as a dark uh, kind of almost like an olive green uh, it was like that for a few coats of paint. Then it went to another, like a lighter green. And at one point, it was, it was they, the columns out there were painted yellow, which is hard to believe. I, I figure it must have been the 60s. <laughs> that was what was going on then. But, um, and then since then, it had been painted white. So we've gone back to that original color um, on, on a good portion of the, of the structure so far. And uh, it's really looking sharp. And just give us the fans who are coming to the game on Saturday. What can they expect changes in terms of restrooms, locker rooms, equipment rooms uh, to, to Whittier Field? Well, the, um, the, the big change is the home field side is now on the north side. 
I guess originally there were bleachers in a press box on that side. I've got a photo from the 1950s with Bowden playing uh, the University of Maine, and there had to be 10,000 people there. It was amazing. There was actually people in the trees watching the game. So when the, the biggest change is there was no pedestrian or vehicular access from the, on the Bowker Street side, but on the Pine Street side, which is the north side of the site, that's where everyone will be entering. That's where the new home field side is. The press box is there. We just set that in place last Friday. Uh, we dropped that on top of it. Well, we didn't drop it. We gently placed it on top of the uh, the, the new grandstand there uh, with a crane. It weighed, we weighed 32,000 pounds, so it took some doing. But uh, that's all in place now, and we're kind of wrapping things up. When they get there, they're going to see the obvious difference between the original grass field that was there. The track is now eight lanes wide. Uh, it's, it's, the whole area just really pops. We added a lot of landscaping around the perimeter. There's new pedestrian walks. Uh, there's hydro seed, uh, it's just been placed within the last week or so. So we're going to be trying to grow some grass out there soon if the weather cooperates. And, uh, and that's, uh, they'll, 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 it's, it's the, the change is pretty obvious as soon as you get out there. And then I know, too, as well, Don, they're calling for two different phases for the expansion. Just give us the details between phase one and phase two for this expansion. What do you feel? Well, like I said, this is, this, we're currently wrapping up phase one, which was the field, the track, the lights, the bleachers, press box, and the, like I said, the javelin runway uh, down at the men's soccer field. Um, phase two is the addition of a support building for that, that complex out there, which is scheduled to be built behind the new grandstand and press box on the location of Pine Street. We've been working with the town of Brunswick to potentially convey Pine Street to the college. Uh, so Pine Street would be closed. We would could build our structure there and either reroute Pine Street or just, just close it down completely. Um, we were approached by the town um, several months ago about this possibility because they were looking to do something with the, uh, with the intersection of, of Bath Road and Pine Street, which is a, is a little dangerous. Wow, so a lot of good things. Will you will you breathe a sigh of relief on Saturday at one o'clock when everything's done and completed? Well, hopefully, I can do it before Saturday at one o'clock. Maybe I'll by the five o'clock on Friday would be better. What are the last couple things that just need to be done here this week? Uh, we're out there doing. We're actually, we're doing some paving today. We're doing some final landscaping, finishing up the fencing. We're uh, we're running all the. Uh, we're hooking up all the AV and like sound system hooking up the scoreboard, all those electronics that have to happen for the clocks and everything out there. So it's all the last-minute last minute things to wrap up, get everything cleaned up, and get out of there. Well, that should be very, very exciting. Do you think this is a facility that could last for you know, another 20, 40, 50 years down the road? Oh, absolutely. The, tri- the, uh, the turf field itself is guaranteed for 15 years. Uh, so um, you basically don't have to do much to it over a 15-year period other than you know it's got the chrome rubber between the uh, the uh, filaments that make up the grass and that you know that has to be brushed level every I think they said every hundred hours or so uh, but it's, so it's almost maintenance free uh, we've got the, we've got a long-term warranty on the lighting system which is all LED so they're gonna they're gonna last quite a while so it takes some maintenance but it should be there it should be there for quite some time but I think the tracks are only good for about 20 25 or so. But so there, you know, there's things that you're going to have to do. It's not going to last 100 years, but it'll, it'll get us a good way toward that. Yeah, no question about it. In your opinion, what is your favorite new part of Whittier Field? Ah, 
I've got to say, you know, and I know, I know Tim Ryan might not appreciate this, but I've got to say Hubbard Grandstand. I've been leaning towards and pushing to do something with that old structure for a long time. Um, and to see it finally happening, it's, uh, it really does, it does me a, a lot of good. It's, uh, it's something I've been looking forward to. And now that you can see that building as it stood originally, it, uh, it, it's re- it really makes that site something that, you know, there's fewer and fewer of those types of structures around every day. Uh, you know, it's just uh, something to really be appreciated. And you're right, Whittier Field built 1896 now, 2017, and the future continues to be bright for the facility. Correct. Well, hey, Don, thanks so much for the time and getting us fired up for the week one game. We're really excited to take a look. All right, Mike. Great. Well, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Welcome back to the Bowdoin Sports Podcast. Mike Galtieri here, joined by uh, Tim Ryan, Director of Athletics, joins us. Tim, thanks so much for the time. Thanks, Mike. It's great great to be here with you, and I'm looking forward to getting a chance to talk to you about athletics at Bowdoin and our renovation project uh, with Whittier uh, Field and McGee Samuelson Track. So, Tim, you have an interesting story. You remember the class 1998. Talk about your time playing football and attending Bowdoin. Sure. I was really fortunate after growing up in Maine to have an opportunity to attend Bowdoin uh, and was a member of the football team and was fortunate enough to be a captain during my my senior year. And it really was an important part of my experience on campus. I got a chance to meet uh, friends that I uh, certainly still have great relationships with today and learned a lot of great lessons on the practice and and, uh, playing field uh, at Bowdoin and and certainly was fortunate enough to be able to play uh, at Whittier Field as well, which is such a historic uh, landmark uh, and and athletic facility here um, in Brunswick. And, uh, yeah, it was a a great, great experience. I I really, really enjoyed it, and it was a wonderful compliment to the uh, experience that I had while I was at Bowdoin. That's excellent, excellent. And then after graduation, you went down to New York in Boston and actually worked in investment and commercial banking. I did, yes. So when I first came to Bowdoin, uh, like a lot of uh, students who attend liberal arts institutions, I wasn't exactly sure what I what I wanted to do, uh, but I ended up uh, majoring in government and legal studies and economics and um, ended up getting really interested in, in the investment banking field uh, through my economics major and was fortunate enough uh, to be hired in New York at a small investment banking consulting firm. Um, and I was in New York for about a year or so um, and then really found that I was being pulled back to New England and, and missed being in New England. And, and at that point, I was fortunate enough to transition to um, a commercial bank lending money to venture-backed technology and life sciences companies in Boston and really enjoyed doing that for about six years or so. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Got to have a lot of and, and travel across the country working with a lot of interesting companies and, and great people. Um, and then uh, I got to the point where um, I was going to be very happy uh, being in banking for the rest of my life, but also had a an itch to uh, to scratch as it related to working in athletics. And I, I come from a family where my my father was a high school athletic director and coach, and it was something that I always had in the back of my mind as something that I was interested in doing. And uh, fortunately, uh, through uh, a connection with Dave Caputi, the former head football coach at Bowdoin, I was able to join the football coaching staff here uh, at Bowdoin, and, and that then led to some opportunities um, to move uh, along with my career from an administrative perspective, um, and I ended up serving as the associate athletic director at Bowdoin uh, for five years, and I am now entering my sixth year as the director of athletics at Bowdoin. And really, couldn't be uh, more fortunate to uh, be able to serve in this role um, at 
uh, an institution. Certainly that means so much to me, um, and, and the people here are just wonderful people to work with. So uh, I'm very, very fortunate. And I think that's a really good story for graduates too. You know, first couple jobs, they might, they might like it. They might decide, you know what, I'd like to change it up, you know, even five, ten years after college. And it's a good life lesson to uh, always you know, follow what your gut, I guess. Yes, absolutely, and I think that starts with the liberal arts education that I had here at, at Bowdoin, where you know you're able to um, dive deeply into a number of subjects, but also touch uh, a number of areas that may be of interest. So you're almost trained to be thinking about um, everything that you might be interested in pursuing, whether it's studying or or in a professional career. And um, you know, I was really fortunate to be able to have. Uh, the opportunity to come to come back to Bowdoin, um, and I would certainly recommend to anyone who um, is thinking about, you know, approaching the end of their time uh, on campus, that the first job that you have certainly isn't going to be, in most instances, the last job that you have. I um, mean, you should always be thinking about acquiring a skill set uh, in those first couple of opportunities that you have that will hopefully be of help um, as you eventually move along and find uh, what your true passion is. Uh, and I was really fortunate to be able to find my true passion here and working in athletic administration. Uh, and it, again, just really happy that it that it ended up being at Bowdoin. And then now let's talk about Whittier Field, brand new facility. Uh, well, not brand new, renovated facility, I should say. Opens this weekend, Saturday, 1 p.m. against Middlebury. First of all, give your just your general thoughts of the new facility, Tim. Sure, it's been really exciting over the last uh, four months to watch uh, the transformation uh, of the facility. There, there's really been uh, about five projects in one that have been taking place. Uh, when you think about the transition from a grass playing surface to a, a field turf, uh, artificial uh, rubber infill surface, the tr- um, the lights, the seating that we've added, um, and the work that we've done to the historic Hubbard grandstand. Um, so, you know, we're it's been it's been a busy summer, and, and we've been. Um, relying upon a number of people here on campus and, and a number of great partners that we've worked with uh, throughout the summer um, in terms of the contractors that we've worked with and everything. Um, and we're just excited to be really approaching the finish line here and, and to have our first uh, event at the facility on, on Saturday. It's um, what we hope people will experience when they come into the facility is a lot of the um, historical nature of Whittier Field and Hubbard Grandstand that, that makes the facility so unique unique, um, but also at the same time um, for our students uh, to be able to participate on a contemporary, um, safe, uh, athletic uh, playing field and and track um, that we hope will be able to serve uh, students for a long time. And you talked about how you wanted to blend a newness of a facility with the historic nature of Whittier Field. So Whittier Field is unique in terms of the walk through the pines uh, from our campus, uh, and then you approach the 1903 gate, which is a, um, a really beautiful facility um, as you end up walking into um, you know, the actual uh, track and field surf, uh, facility itself. Uh, coming through that gate is really a special experience and, and really uh, unique. Um, And then, you know, the Hubbard Grandstand, uh, which was completed in 1904, uh, really there are very few covered grandstands uh, at athletic facilities across the country, and we're really fortunate to have one of those here uh, on our campus. So um, you couple that with the pine trees that surround the facility, uh, and you're you're really in um, a a one-in-a-million type of playing and practice uh, venue. 
that uh, our students uh, will be able to enjoy for years to come. And uh, talk about how it helps the athletic department as a whole uh, with other programs beyond football and track and lacrosse uh, with creating space for the department. Sure. So, so beyond the day-to-day experience for members of our track and field and men's lacrosse program and our football program, uh, we're incredibly fortunate to be able to leverage the facilities that we have at the Farley Fieldhouse and, and, and Pickard Fields athletic facilities, um, where we'll now be able to um, have an increased number of uh, intramural and club sport uh, playing and practice fields uh, as we've moved football from those fields over to what you're on a full-time basis. It's, it's freed up essentially two full practice fields of space. Um, similarly, in the spring, rather than having uh, women's lacrosse sharing um, a field with lacrosse, um, which would lead to late evening practices and and need to coordinate scheduling for games and things along those lines. Now each one of those facilities will have each one of those programs will have their own facility to be able to practice and play in. And and lastly, the the trickle down effect as we move into phase two of the Whittier project and and complete the support building, which will house locker rooms, an equipment room, a training room, and public restrooms. Um, those locker room facilities will allow uh, locker room facilities in the Pickard Fieldhouse and Watson Arena um, to open up and to be available um, for teams uh, that will be um, playing and practicing on the south end of campus, um, which will be great. We've had some challenges in the past with the overlap of our fall and winter and winter and spring seasons in terms of teams being able to gain access to locker rooms and things along those lines. So um, overall, the project will end up having a positive impact over 350 student-athletes at Bowdoin, which is more than half of the um, students who participate in the varsity athletic program on campus. So um, while the facility will have probably the most dramatic impact on our track and field, uh, men's lacrosse, and football programs, it certainly will have a positive impact across uh, our entire athletic program and and really will um, be a transformational change uh, for student-athletes at Bowdoin. Well, Tim, any final thoughts you'd like to add and as we gear up for the opening day on Saturday? Sure, just that uh, you can sense the excitement on campus, uh, certainly um, from our students who have had a chance to either walk through the facility or have been out um, playing and practicing uh, at the facility. There's a lot of excitement on campus, which which is truly wonderful and certainly looking forward to the game on Saturday. And, and it goes without saying that none of this would have been possible without the generous support uh, of our alumni and friends of the college who have uh, given um, uh, financial support um, to ensure that our students will have a safe um, playing facility uh, for years to come. Uh, And it really will um, be a facility that will have a positive impact uh, on our campus um, for many, many years. And we're just incredibly grateful um, for the support uh, of our uh, alumni, parents, and friends of the college. Well, Tim, that's very well said. Uh, we can thank you very, very much for the time, and it's very exciting time to be at Bowdoin. Great. Thank you, Mike. I enjoyed, enjoyed talking to you. Great. Thank you. Well, thanks so much to listening to the Bowdoin Sports Podcast brought to you by the Polar Bear Athletic Fund. Special thanks to Don Borkowski and Athletic Director Tim Ryan. Very fun podcast. We'll be back once again next month on the Bowdoin Sports Podcast. This is Mike Galtieri signing off.